0: the
1: suburbs, it's just like Michael Jackson did, I'm the suburbs, he said that he was talented.
0: I'm the suburbs. Welcome to Delaware Valley Journal On The Air, the weekly podcast of DelawareValleyJournal.com. I'm your host, Michael Graham, with Inside Sources, always joined by the editor of the Delaware Valley Journal, Todd Shepard. Todd, how are you?
1: Doing well, sir.
0: How are you? And as they say uh, about... Bucks, Chester, Delaware, Montgomery counties. How's life in the burbs? How are they Uh, doing in the burbs? It's a
1: Berberific, I guess, is the, <laughs> the phrase.
0: Well, the reason uh, I ask is because we had an interesting op-ed from Chris Stegall, a local uh, talk host at AM 990, uh, headlined, Can We Just Be Honest About the Philly Suburbs? And it's about an interesting divide in the debate over coronavirus, reopening businesses and how society's dealing with it. What was uh, what was Chris's premise? Well,
1: the theory here, and keep in mind, Michael, what we've been talking about is the 2018 election showed us how important the suburbs were. And a lot of that was, it wasn't just the suburbs, it was the women in the suburbs, the moms, the sisters, the aunts. And what Stiegel is saying is, That group of people is naturally a little bit more cautious, so they are the ones driving uh, the continued public support behind all of the closure orders. Uh, They're the ones that are more cautious out of the rest
0: of society. Okay, let me uh, quote from his uh, piece, and he's actually quoting one of his uh, callers. Quote, there's no greater tyrant than the white suburban soccer mom. They move out of the cities, and as long as they've got bike paths, Whole Foods, and SUVs, everyone else can burn in hell. And while that may be overstating the case uh, <laughs> somewhat, it is the case that uh, whether they were known as soccer moms back in the 1990s or after 9-11 security moms, that the the political class are very focused on the attitudes of college-educated, affluent white women who tend to live in places like Bucks, Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery counties. Well, of course, and I think, look, if you sort of look at this through the lens of, I'm I'm sorry
1: to keep backpedaling to other elections, but 2016, the historic moment, Hillary Clinton becomes the, the first presidential nominee of a major political party, first female nominee, and you know there, there was this drive that finally we're going to be the person who's sitting behind the resolute desk. That's what women were saying. But when you look at it, no matter how suburban women may feel about what Stiegel has written here, the truth is what he's really saying is they are in the driver's seat. They are the ones that are essentially making the most dominant and the most forceful decisions in our society. So in a way, I'm sure it doesn't feel like a compliment, I think some of them might ought to think of it as a compliment. I really do.
0: And there's one last thing I want to add, which is uh, he uh, quotes a friend of his who notes that there was a time when the suburbs were a place where cultures mixed, that you had people moving into the suburbs from rural areas, people who hunted. And then you had people moving to the suburbs from the city, you know, people who knew city life. And so you'd, you would might be from a family that was three generations of, you know, agriculture workers next to a family of three generations of people who worked in white collar jobs. And she kind of mixed and blended. Now he argues or his his friend argues that you have this kind of, Single monochromatic in many senses of the word culture where there's less familiarity with uh, with how the other half lives, the other half who are bearing more of the brunt of the uh, economic shutdown. Speaking of the shutdown, whoo, terrible jobless numbers uh, came out on Friday of this week. Just terrible.
1: Well, and we've been tracking the jobless numbers
0: in SEPA, and, of course,
1: the, we're not adjusting these on a per capita basis, but obviously uh, the four-collar counties have had you know, many times higher a rate of unemployment that we're seeing when the state is actually able to break that out by county. So, um, it, look, that's one of the reasons why uh, the people that want to get back to work are so frustrated, um, but also because so many of the coronavirus confirmed cases are in that part of of the state. That's also why it looks like they're, it's going to take a really long time before they're able to move to yellow. And we know now from an AP report that a lot of counties out around Pittsburgh are soon to be announced to be moving to yellow soon.
0: And I think that highlights, once again, that divide of you have people right. who live in rural areas where they literally have no measurable consequences of the coronavirus. They may have, quote, cases, which uh, you're you're the real journalist here, Todd. I just pretend to be one on a podcast. I am so frustrated by the media's use of the phrase cases when what they mean are positive uh, test results. Because as we keep talking about, one of the dangers from coronavirus is that you can have it and never have any symptoms and so you're walking around you're non asymptomatic and you're uh and you're infecting other people but you don't have a you know like when people use whatever you know case of the measles case case of the mondays you know you're fine you're fine and so you have counties where they may have had a hundred cases but they've only had One hospitalization and no fatalities. And so for them, there's no evidence of the damage that coronavirus is doing. And they can't figure out why they have to be in lockdown because Pittsburgh and Philadelphia have a far greater problem with actual outcomes from the virus.
1: Everything you've said is true, I would add to that another concern that you're starting to hear from more uh, smaller officials. I haven't really heard this so much from the administration, the Wolf administration yet, but the, the bigger concern here is uh, new cases are are really just new confirmations, and it doesn't tell you anything about when the onset was. So when you hear the media say, well, the state has 856 new cases today. Um, It doesn't necessarily mean that the people got it yesterday, but I think that's sometimes the implication or it's easy for people to think that way. And this has a lot of local government officials uh, perplexed uh, because obviously if if those infections happened a month ago, then maybe the county is way ahead of where they need to be to get the reopening going.
0: And speaking of the reopening, there's some uh, frustration in the Delaware Valley with some counties because they believe that they have an actual pragmatic impact on their community from coronavirus that would allow them to reopen businesses to enter the yellow phase of this red, yellow, green system. One set of numbers is holding them back, sometimes from literally a single building or two, and it's the nursing home numbers. Uh, What are these counties asking to do, and how did the uh, chair of Montgomery County respond?
1: Well, here we're talking about uh, the, this, the metric that has been established by the Wolf administration. If you're going to move out of the red phase lockdown into yellow, which is sort of a hybrid, then you have to show that your case, the rate at which you are uh, confirming infections every day is at 50 people per 100,000 of the county, over, and that, that 50 people has to last for two weeks. And that's a really tough benchmark. So what what Delaware and Bucks County are saying is, look, right now it's our nursing homes, we have so many infections there and the f- infection confirmations continue to come from there that if we stay on this pace, we will never be able to progress from red to yellow. If we were able to treat that data differently, I don't wanna say not count the people because that's not what those officials are saying, but they're saying if we could treat that data differently or maybe try to analyze the risk that uh, those confirmed cases pose to getting economies back up again. Then that allows us to get a better grip of when we can really begin to start opening th- stores like retail, let's say.
0: So one of our uh, colleagues, Haim Reisner, has a piece for Inside Sources, the parent company of the Delaware Journal, that goes through some of the states and the uh, nursing home numbers. And it really is astonishing, not Obviously, how high the the death toll and the hospitalization toll is for people who are 70 and older, which is tragic, but how astonishingly low the rates are for everybody else. You're talking about one case in 3,666 people for people under 60 in a state like Massachusetts, which is the third hardest hit state in the country. And New Hampshire, out of the entire population of the state that's 60 and under, they've only had five cases. And so you can see why people who want the economy to open up are trying to get political leaders to focus on the fact that it's not diminishing the deaths of at nursing homes to point out that the deaths are, if not exclusive, almost overwhelmingly at these facilities. And the, and the, the upside of that tragic news is there's one group of people who you can provide a lot of protection to, and you'll immediately mitigate the worst outcomes. And the other is the rest of the people are largely unaffected by the coronavirus. And so it should be easier for them to move around with some kind of safety approach. And that's the, the argument that they're having. Uh, Do you see any sign that the pressure from the business communities is overcoming the current popular support for Governor Wolf and his lockdown? Are things changing or is it still two to one, three to one? We'd rather lock down than take the chance.
1: I think if you were to do just a general poll, the poll would be slightly ahead that people are still more willing to be cautious than they are to to reopen. However, let's. Let's look at it from the standpoint. I think a lot of people look at the, the reopen versus lockdown question as a red versus blue. Like, if you want to reopen, that means you must be pro-Trump and Republican, and if you're locked down, you must be blue. That That's not exactly right, and we see that from the stories we did this week, because the Bucks County and the Delaware County request came from county commission boards that are majority Democrats. So it was Democrats that were saying, look, if we if we treat this nursing home data- Differently, again, as you said, we don't want to minimize those deaths at all. Then, you know, that's that gives us the the risk knowledge we need to be able to proceed. So, I think the thing is to, is to not look at it through a, a Trump versus Blue lens. And I would say that because you have those two counties that are Democrat majority on the board, it that does show some impetus, and that will make a difference to the way the governor thinks about this. And I think what's interesting is. Uh, on uh, Bucks County, it was the Republican who this week said, "You know what? I, I don't think Governor Wolf has closed the door to our plea." Um, the newspapers reported it as though he said no. He said, "I'm optimistic that he's that he really will think it over, and we're going to have a discussion about this."
0: In fact, we have some audio of uh, a conversation about how the folks in Bucks County feel about the notion that they're diminishing the value of nursing home residents, isn't that right?
1: Yeah, this is uh, the commission chairwoman, Diane Ellis Marseglia, uh, and she was uh, given some quotes by her counterpart from Montgomery County, and this is how she responded when she heard that. Commissioners, yesterday, Montgomery County chairwoman, Dr. Valerie Arcouche addressed the statistical idea about nursing homes that is being promoted by Bucks and Delaware counties. She said, I believe that these individuals should be counted first of all, they're human beings. As I said, a couple of minutes ago, they are our parents, our grandparents, our brothers, sisters, aunts, and uncles. And I worry about someone ever saying someone shouldn't be counted. That bothers me as a physician on a number of moral and ethical planes. This part of her response makes it sound as though the bucks and Delaware idea is perhaps dehumanizing or uncaring in some way. What is your response to her comments?
0: Well, it wasn't a very nice thing to say (laughs) because it does infer that. And as one who has a mother in a nursing home and in the county nursing home, I'm offended. Um, And I let my colleagues speak to that. But I have to tell you that it isn't that we don't care. And it isn't that we didn't want numbers of nursing homes to necessarily count. We wanted the metric to be changed. And while the schools are still shut down, and by the way, horrifying comments from the Secretary of Education that Pennsylvania may not have public schools open in the fall, they were still handing out uh, grades, at least on governors. Is that right, Todd?
1: Yeah, well, we did a story earlier in the week uh, about a free market group. Let me just put it this way Art Laffer of the historic, uh, famous, or infamous Laffer Curve, however you want to look at it, uh, that his group uh, put out a, a grading yes of governors all across the nation. Governor Tom Wolf, uh, one of those getting an F by this group. Only four governors did. Uh, that also includes Governor Phil Murphy just across the river. But uh, here's one other person that uh, would probably give Governor Wolf an F. That would be State Representative Steve Barrar of Delaware County.
0: Todd, that is one of the best podcast segues ever. And so our own Todd Shepard caught up with State Representative Steve Barrar.
1: State Representative Steve Barrar, thanks so much for joining us on the Delaware Valley Journal. I know you've been a busy guy in the last month. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Yes, this has been one of the craziest times in in my 24 years in the legislature that I can ever remember. I actually announced my retirement um about six months ago and it actually has me um thinking again whether i should or or shouldn't but my wife would shoot me twice at least if i um decided to jump back into this race
1: let's try to keep the casualties or or the injuries to a minimum uh on the podcast but (laughs) so i'm first of all i'm kind of wondering uh, you know if we go back a couple of weeks there was a massive rally outside the state capitol estimated crowd of two thousand people um, Republicans uh, you know, tried to override the, the governor's emergency orders, he vetoes. Um, and, and then this week, we get a unanimous vote out of the General Assembly to, to get the governor back on track with, with the right to know law and so forth. So it, From a partisan angle, it seems like it's been a little bit of back and forth. I'm wondering if you can just sort of sum up the political, maybe the partisan mood inside the Capitol these days.
2: Well, it's a very competitive um, mood right now if you were to um, get in the middle of all this. There's a lot of fighting going on between the two parties. Some of it is jockeying for position. We probably have one of the most important elections coming up in in decades. And and I really think it will change which direction this, this government will go. And 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 it, it will affect a lot of the rights of people. So of course, you know, both sides are fighting and you know, this this virus you could say came along at the worst possible time or for the opposition they say came along at the best possible time. And and during a crisis there's always, you know, the opportunity to shine and show how um how good your agenda is and and then there's also an opportunity to point out how bad other people's agenda are and um you know, so so we're we're in that position right now where you know everything it seems like we're doing is is being you know um, they're attempting to say that we we have blood on our hands and and that we are doing you know everything wrong and of course we're pointing at the Democrats saying pointing out their the shortcomings of their policies and also the governor they've I, in my opinion they've followed the governor almost blindlessly until now now they're starting to hear it from the people. The people have woken up to they see an infringement upon their rights. And, and I knew this at the beginning that that we were going to see a very short lived um, stay at home because Americans are independent people and they're not going to allow government to say, hey, you have to go in your house for two months and don't come out. We don't want to see your face again. And, well- and we're seeing that now. Well,
1: let me ask about a growing government or or government being uh the the face of this because this week the governor announced a coronavirus civilian corps that would tackle this and part of the when he announced it, he said uh, the legislature was sort of really already on board, and they didn't even they may not even have to okay it. What was your response when you heard this news or or heard those remarks from the governor?
2: well i we had a chairman's meeting. Um, with the majority leader um, just an hour ago, which is a great time to do this. Okay, we asked him, we said, did you guys give consent to the governor? And they said, absolutely not on this. And they said, there is no way because I'm telling you, our caucus will not sign on to this. Um, First of all, we have a hiring freeze and the governor doesn't explain in his press conference or anything, how he's going to pay for this. And we're we're going to, we have, we're faced with one of the toughest budgets that we've seen probably since the 2009 recession. And all of a sudden, we're going to put a core of, of citizens out there that we're going to pay and and to give them health care benefits and everything else on top of what an employee would get. I don't see how it's possible. Plus, I see this as an incredible infringement upon our rights as Americans, we don't, we don't want to be followed. We don't want somebody tracking us and going, you know, all right, I want to know everybody you talked to today, everybody you touched and where you went. And, and, and I can tell you, there's, uh, if you could see my Facebook feed and, and the things people are saying to me, um, they are screaming at, right now about too much government interference and control their life. And they, they want to go back to normal. We were in a good place two months ago, and we had an economy that was roaring. We were all looking at, at a great summer, summer vacations and things like that. And now we're being told, you know, all that's on hold for, for at least a year from now before we can go back to normal. And I, and I think we're seeing um, a, a kind of a rebellion. And you know what the worst part is through this whole thing is that the governor has not talked to us. The governor has not communicated with the General Assembly hardly at all, except through and, and this is the problem. I think our governor and I said it to you before, our governor's out of touch. Okay. He 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 I said maybe maybe what we need to do is a hundred of us of us legislators need to drive up to Wolf Mountain where he lives because he's certainly not in the Capitol anywhere to be found. Okay, and go up there and demand that he come out and talk to us. And Let me... um, you know we may just do that.
1: Let me jump in really quickly because, in, in terms of getting back to normal, the governors laid out this plan. The the every you know mo- nearly everybody's in red. Then they would progress to yellow. Commissioners from your county have said, "Look, if we looked at the data a little bit differently, and if we sort of set nursing home uh, statistics to the side, this doesn't mean don't count them, but if we just looked at them differently." Um, and and counted what's going on in the rest of the community separately, then we might be able to get to yellow early, and that w- yellow earlier, and that would allow us to start to get businesses going again. Um, what are your thoughts right. about that plan?
2: I, I I like the plan a lot. Actually, we talked about it several weeks ago about taking the the, the most vulnerable population out of the statistics, do them as a separate um, stat. And because if you look at the average age of death in the state of Pennsylvania is seventy nine years old, it's not a good thing. Because you know what we, we we love our senior citizens, and but we've seen this go through the nursing homes in such a big way in the state of Pennsylvania. Then we find out the revelation that the secretary of health that that she had sent the directive early on in this in this um, um, pandemic was to send corona sick people from that are being discharged from the hospital back to the nursing home where they came from the same exact policy that has Governor Cuomo in so much trouble up in New York we have had sixty nine percent of the deaths in the state of Pennsylvania have been in nursing home long term care facilities um, assisted care facilities and places where our most vulnerable population are we haven't had this kind of of, of fatalities in our prison system we've had two two fatalities in in the, in the correctional um, institutes around the state, but we haven't, but we've seen devastation go through our senior population. Why did the, the state treat one group different than the other? So yes, this has to, these numbers have to mean something. And we, we need to get the Secretary of Health and, and the governor to take a look at them and say, we should separate them because the people that are in our nursing homes aren't going to go to a mall, they're not going to go out to a hairdresser, they're not going to go out the way I would or, or my children would on, on a Friday night and go to a bar, a restaurant or something like that. So, so our most vulnerable population where we see the worst cases, okay, we can isolate them easily and and begin to open our counties back up.
1: Next week you have, uh, and last question, just because uh, of our time here, uh, and we, yeah. we're still very glad you were able to join us, but uh, next week you have, uh, you'll hold a committee hearing that looks into some issues with veterans homes, the National Guard, can you give us a quick preview of some of the things you're going to try to get at in that hearing?
2: Well, we wanna look at, we've had one of our veteran centers um, in the southeast out of Spring City, has had quite a few fatalities. I think it's 22, if, if I'm not mistaken. And there's been 30-some of the employees have have um, that have worked in, in throughout our, our nursing homes. For people who aren't familiar with it, the state of Pennsylvania runs six different um, veteran senior communities, okay? And they come under the, the jurisdiction of the Adjutant General of the National Guard. They're not federally controlled, they're state controlled. And so we've had um, quite a bad breakout there. The general has agreed to come and um, give us some information about what he feels causing it, what, and how we can handle it and manage it from this point. So we're, we're very concerned with, um, with what's happening there, especially the fact that they've had 30 some employees and we're losing you know, I I, I think what are some of our most valued citizens are veterans. And um, hopefully we'll get to the bottom of that.
1: Uh, last thing, Representative, if you do decide to go back on your pledge of retirement, that's news we'd like you to break with Delaware Valley <laughs> Journal. Can we get an agreement
2: on that? Well, the news will probably be that my wife will be arrested for assault first. <laughs> and then uh, that will that will be the the subtitle will be because i decides to run for office again. But, um, you know, she she retired in last June thinking that I was going to retire in last June, too, and I didn't. And um, so since then, um, she's been a little annoyed with me. So if I want to save my marriage and my family and, and actually live to be a ripe old age, I think, I'll, I think I'll probably honor my commitment to stay out. Plus, we have a great candidate, a guy named Craig Williams, who's running um, in my spot, and I will be very active in this campaign trying to help him um, keep the seat.
1: Sounds good. Representative, thank you so much for making time with us here on the Delaware Valley Journal podcast.
0: Uh,
2: You're welcome. It's always good to be with you.
0: And that's Delaware Valley Journal on the air, our weekly podcast from DelawareValleyJournal.com. Please visit the website, read the great reporting from people like Todd, uh, the uh, fascinating op-ed by Chris Stiegel of uh, AM990, and sign up for our newsletter. News and notes in your email box so you can keep track of what's going on in Bucks, Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery counties. Todd, what did I forget? Uh, The only thing is follow us on Twitter, Uh, at DV underscore Journal and on Facebook at Delaware Valley Journal as well. Todd Shepard is the editor. I'm Michael Graham with Inside Sources. Thanks so much for listening. Let's talk again next week.